All right, y'all. Y'all know what time it is. This is Never Out of Bounce. This is your man, El Jamal. You know, we got to get it in tonight. We got a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. Uh, Word on the street is Zimbabwe uh, recently held their general elections on the 31st. Now, this is the first uh, election since removing Robert Mugabe, the longtime uh, president, by coup in November. Now, the election commission is being accused of delaying these results in favor of the current ruling party and uh, the president, uh, Emerson uh, Mangava, who is the leader of the ZANU-PF party and also was a security chief for Robert Mugabe uh, throughout his presidency. Now, local results for parliament have been posted, but uh, like I said, the the results for president will not be ready uh, at least till Saturday. And this is uh, according to Tendai BT, and this is the main election monitor. He also went on to say that half of the polling stations, uh, more than 2,000 in total, have not posted any physical results. Now, also, uh, people, there was also uh, an election. Uh, this election was also for parliament, which there's 210 seats for. And also, there's 9,000 counselors that were voted for as well. Uh, the big opponent uh, to uh, President Emerson was the Movement for Democratic Change. This was a new, of course, pro-democratic party, which had a lot of support from the uh, local uh, from the local people. And that was pretty much uh, the biggest competition. So there's looking like there has been there has been some uh, violence uh well, actually, not necessarily violence, but it has been some uh, demonstrations throughout the country right now just because they are they are pretty much a lot of people are pretty much convinced uh, that their, uh, you know, their democratic rights are going to be misused and going to be placed and they're going to be placed back in the leadership of the party that pretty much saw to their uh, pretty much their exploitation and their mistreatment for the past almost 40 years. So there is some definite conflict there. Uh, Hopefully they get it resolved. Uh, But even if there's, uh, there's a chance that the current president, uh, Emerson, he does lose. Uh, there's a chance that they don't accept the results anyways and uh, result in their own. And that would could result in their own violent coup as well. So there's always there is that there is the threat of that. Now, in a in, a, you know, American news, it looks like your boy Trump, you know, I'm not going to gonna pile well i guess i'm gonna have to just pile on him for the second tonight but i i think he's getting played by his by his north korean buddies yeah uh remember how last couple weeks ago i reported that uh there's already been satellite images uh that was taken from a nuclear facility plant uh facility in north korea uh, called Pun uh, Pungi Ri, and they were pretty much still creating ballistic weapons. I already talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you, have you been listening to my show, you'd hear it. But now your government is officially saying yes, they agree with me. More so, you know, not necessarily because they don't know I exist yet. 
But um, apparently they have confirmed the evidence proving that North Korea is still producing nukes. Uh, this is a quote from Dan Sullivan, a Republican senator from Alaska. This is his quote. I think it's troubling. And I think it goes to the point that in these negotiations, we have to have our eyes open. These guys have cheated on every single agreement, uh, either Kim Jong-un or his dad or his grandfather. Now, what that goes to tell me is his own Trump's old party is accusing him of being short sighted, not necessarily uh, using his astute uh, business practices, which he claims he has as as smart as he is. I think he he's a slick New York businessman. How he can't see through Kim Jong Un's bullshit bullshit is that's pretty scary. Maybe he's not as smart as I don't know. Maybe maybe Kim Jong Un is just that good of a guy. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he sells himself pretty well. I don't know, man. But uh, what's also being pretty much agreed to amongst the Republican, I, I'm going to call them Republican elite, is that Trump never really, well, North Korea never really agreed to anything, and Trump pretty much provided them with very uh, cryptic info, and I say that as, I'm trying to find another word for, you know, just, he was ambiguous, he didn't give too much away, he really didn't go into any details, pretty much, that's that's how I pretty much want to say it, and um, they've already produced two ballistic missiles that have the capabilities of hitting, hitting the USA, so it's just, you know, you know how they're going to say, it. you know, it's just a matter of time. Now, another senator, uh, Republican, and I'm going to, you know, I want to quote these Republican guys just so I can, you know, just to prove a point that even within this guy's own party, he ain't doing it right. So I don't know what his deal is. I don't know what his plan is. Y'all keep telling me to wait. Um, he looking like a sucker, but Robert. I'm sorry, uh, Senator Bob Corker, Republican from Tennessee, he said, uh, I read some classified materials this morning and everything, both the public and the private, would indicate they continue to move along in their program. That's all you need to say. That's that's all that needs to be said. I'm not crazy. I was right in the beginning. They played that man. I don't know, you know what their plan is. I don't know what the U.S. does to confront them about this. I'm pretty sure, you know, we weren't there. We really don't know what happened behind closed doors. We really don't know what was said with him and Putin. You know, I don't I don't know. You know, I'm starting to really second guess a lot of what this this guy is all about more so than ever. When I when he first got in here, you know, he was the 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 TV guy that I saw. You're fired. That's all I that's all I thought about him. And and that and that honestly, t- uh, almost two years in, I, to be honest with you, that hasn't changed. I think that same same mentality he's taken to the political field, and obviously it's not working. They're still producing weapons. He hasn't done anything. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, that's and this is coming from somebody you know, you know, I. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not even necessarily quote unquote liberal, but you know, cause there's, there's, there's various things that the lib- with liberals that I'm not a hundred percent, you know, with, but this guy right here, I don't, I don't get it. They're not, they haven't stopped anything. What did you go over there for? 
Was it just for the PR move? Was it just to say you did it and Obama didn't do it? I'm very, I'm very confused here because obviously they're still, they're still doing what they, they agree that they wouldn't do. And Trump is somehow taking all this credit and saying, I did this. I did this, y'all. Give me some respect. Put some respect on my name, but you didn't do anything. So what are we, what are we doing here? All right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We got a, we got a chock full sports night as well. We got some NFL news to talk about as well as some NBA stuff. And you know how I said it. We was going to do we're going to do one of these conference previews for college football. So all that and a little bit more. You know we'll be right back. All right, y'all. Let's go. All right, we got some NFL news here. The Pats, they end up releasing Jordan Matthews today after suffering a hamstring injury in the fourth practice training camp. They don't give a fuck. Anyway, he was first placed on IR. Then he signed a settlement uh, settlement that will allow him to play later in the year if he's healed up. Uh, he recently signed a one-year $300,000 contract, I think, with one hundred. And 75 of it guaranteed. Not too bad. Uh, they also brought in Eric Decker for a workout. Seems that they're looking for some uh, death along that receiver core. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. But uh, last season, uh, Jordan Matthews was able to get 25 catches, 282 yards, and a touchdown. And this is crazy because um, his first couple of seasons, uh, he started, in, I believe, in 2014. First couple of seasons, uh, he goes 800, over 800 yards. Second season, uh, almost uh, 1,000 yards, a little under 1,000 yards. Eight touchdowns both season, but I'm not too sure. Maybe he gets injured. Uh, I know he gets tra- I guess he either gets traded uh, to the uh, Eagles. I'm not too sure how he ends up with the Eagles uh, about a couple years ago. But he just, uh, just shuts down and goes to three touchdowns. And then this year he gets three. I mean, I'm sorry, just one on 282 yards. Uh, he has an injury in the offseason. So it's just like, what happened? You know, he was... You know, a solid star, uh, starter at some point in time, and and you know he's now he's fighting for just a spot. Hopefully, he'll get healthy again. It's just crazy though how uh, things go in this in this league. You know, it's just so one day, you know, you're on top one one minute, you know, or at least one minute you're competing for a spot, you're having success in your career, and then the next minute uh, you can't play, and. Uh, that has to be heartbreaking. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Patriots. Uh, I said I was going to get into their, their wide receiver depth chart now that he's gone. And like I said, they're working out Eric Decker, another, another uh, I would say, a polished veteran wide receiver. Um, they also got uh, Julian Edelman. Uh, he's looking to be the overall number one starter. I don't really see why. He, uh he, in my opinion, he's not the best, at least out of the the, the top, the next two names we're going to name here. I don't think he's better than those two guys. But um, he's. Uh, I also talked about him a while back. He's gonna he's gonna be facing a four game suspension anyways. So that, you know that's at least another reason why they're probably bringing in Decker as well. But I'll, uh But to go along, I mean to finish up that death chart, you also got Chris Hogan, Cordell Patterson, formerly of the Raiders, I believe, just about a year ago. Uh, you got Kenny Brent, a uh, ten year vet, but he also is suffering knee injury. You also got Philip Dorsett, who still hasn't emerged after about four years of playing. There's no real um, 
I don't know if he's a slot or, you know, some type of reserve guy. <clears throat> I'm not too sure about him. He doesn't really have any real stats for him. So, um, then you also got Malcolm Mitchell, uh, Malcolm Michelle, excuse me, another young guy. He's also suffering from a hamstring injury. So as you can see, there's a couple, <clears throat> there's a couple injuries already on the squad. Then you also got Braxton Berrien, six round draft pick, uh, this year. He also got another rookie, uh, Riley McCarron. Then you got, uh, David, I'm sorry, Devin Lucian and Paul Turner. Um, yeah, Paul Turner rounding that out. So it definitely just looking at, you know, looking at, you know, from the top now, there's definitely that lack of star talent here at this position. Um, good luck, Tom. Uh, you definitely lost one year. You definitely lost your, your left tackle uh, a couple years back. One of your best ones, Nate Solder. Uh, he was, your, he was some good protection for you. Uh, lost. I know he, uh, I'm not too sure what his running game is looking like. Uh, but good luck. Good luck. Um, yeah, cause these guys, it definitely doesn't that you don't have that superstar guy here. Uh, hopefully, you know, Julian Edelman can, you know, get that that suspension returned because, you know, that is kind of, I mean, that is, it is, uh, it would be sucky to not have him. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best, like I said, I already said he's not the best receiver on this team, but definitely not, uh, definitely somebody you, you don't want to, you, you know, you wouldn't want to not have, uh, especially because of suspension, so that sucks in terms of Tom Brady. Uh, let's get into some NBA news here. Uh, Brandon Jennings was, was released by the Milwaukee Bucks today. Excuse me. Uh, he had already signed a two-year deal last season. Prior to that, he was playing in the Chinese Basketball Association. Last year, he had uh, five, and five points, three assists, two rebounds in 14 games last year. If he's familiar, if he's familiar to you, uh, to bat to to you basketball fans, he was also drafted by the Bucks in two thousand and nine, tenth overall, and he's also played for the Wizards and the Knicks and amongst other teams. Uh, he was basically replaced by another guard, Pat Connaughton, uh, from the Blazers, my old team. Um, I don't have much to say about him except for he averaged three point seven points and one point six rebounds in a bench roll. So. There you go. On to the next little bit of news for the NBA. Uh, the uh, NBA has a, uh, has agreed to a partnership with the MGM Grand, and this will be the first gambling par- uh, I'm sorry, gambling partnership between a sports league and the agency. Uh, the NBA, the MGM, excuse me, will be uh, will be using official NBA stats on its betting platforms, and it will also uh, help protect against fraud now this will be non a non-exclusive deal which means the nba will also do these similar type of deals with other betting agencies now the nba also wants a royalty for every bet being taken that would be interesting i don't think that i don't know if that can fly but uh Hey, uh, they, there have already been um, some state-level laws. Uh, one, Mississippi is one of those states. Nevada as well. Um, none, of those law, uh, none of those laws have those provisions in them, so I don't know. They're going to have to be amendments added later. Uh, but <clears throat> this goes back to the federal government pretty much allowing uh, sports betting. So there you go. And... It's on. The NBA is being smart about it. It's being proactive about it. 
they're doing business so they're they're doing business with all these different agencies so they're profiting a and then also they're doing their own they're probably doing their own investigation and their own quality checks on all these different agencies and making sure that uh no funny business is being you know done so you know well at least that they don't have no part of anyway so anyways let's get off off to that uh let's talk about some baseball we got some scores to go over and we're gonna go over over the standings as well uh let's go right through the scores real quick the royals beat the white Sox today 10 to 5 the rockies beat the cardinals today 3 to 6 the brewers lost to the giants today uh four to six the mets lost to the nats three to four the orioles lost to the yankees seven to five the reds lost to the tigers seven to four the indians beat the twins two to zero my a is coming up big again beating the blue jays eight to three the astros beat the mariners also eight to three uh the cubs beat the, uh, the pirates two to nine and the angels beat the rays two to seven let's go through these standings real quick we're getting to the latter part of the uh the baseball year playoff time we're gonna go over this real quick and uh let's start with the al east we got the red sox boston red sox leading the pack at 74 uh, 75 and 34 they've gone six and four in their last 10 and, and again uh to, for those who you may that may be that may be new uh, i like to go over the last 10 games that in any any sport like basketball or baseball um because basically it's a good it's a good sense of what trajectory the the team is going at usually if a team is going 6 and 4 7 and 3 often in terms of their last 10 or even 8 and 2 so anything above 6 and 4 you definitely want to see your team or any team uh do consistently in order you know to to at least stay relevant in their division and in in whatever playoff race and again this is for you know game sports like uh baseball and and uh basketball that i do this for because they're you know they're longer seasons of course uh but anyways off to that uh number two we got the yankees coming in at 68 and 38 yankees are five and a half games back at this point and six and four in their last 10 and we also have the rays coming in at uh 55 and 53 six and four in their last 10 uh and we're and pretty much and the and the reason why I wanted to look at this, especially for this uh this pattern here, especially for this division, um at this at this rate it's it will be looking in my opinion, it's looking like, you know, the Red Sox are pretty much gonna wrap this this division up. Uh just just by just just on the strength of they're already a five and a half games up. You know, they they pretty much stayed, you know, the course. They haven't really lost too many games in a row. Uh, you don't see them finishing in their last 10 too much, 5-5 five and five or lower. So, just, and just in their last couple of games in general, I'm going to have to go out and say just, just by what I'm looking. Because the Blue Jays and the Orioles, they're going to bring up the rear at 48 and 59 and 33 and 75, respectively. So, you can just pretty much eliminate them. Uh, the Rays... They're not really in the mix again, you know, because the Yankees are barely in the mix. 
the Yankees real competition is going to be my team, the A's and the Mariners for that, that, that wild card spot, whether it be the first or second, but let's move on to the AL central, uh, the Indians, uh, they're on top right now for uh, 59 to four, uh, 59 and 48. Uh, they've gone five and five in the last 10, uh, the twins, they're at 49 and 58. They're also five and five in the last 10, uh, at number three, we got the Tigers at 47 and 62. Uh, Chicago and the Royals bringing up the rear at 37 and 30, uh, 37 and 70, and 34 and 75, respectively. Um, also, pretty much looking at this, um, I would say also the Indians will pretty much uh, win this division. Just, you know. They're, I mean, they're, of course, they're, they've been 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They haven't looked particularly dominant in the last stretch, but they're in the winnable. They've always been in the winnable division. I don't see the Twins really causing too much damage. Uh, they haven't really been too hot as of recently, obviously, as you can tell. The Tigers and pretty much 3, 4, and 5 are out of it. Um, if we're looking at it right now, I would have to go... The, if, the, if the season ended today, the Indians would, would definitely win. Uh, this is a more interesting division. Uh, I'll just go through it right quick. This is the AO West here. We got the Astros on top 69 and 41, uh, but they've gone 4 and 6 in our last 10. The Mariners, they're five games back at 63 and 45, but they've also gone 4 and 6 in, my, in their last 10. And here come my A's now, 64 and 46, but 73 in the last 10. You got the Angels and the Rangers bringing up the, the, the bottom half, 40, uh, 54 and 55 for the Angels uh, in terms of their record, and the, uh, the Rangers are looking at 46 and 63. Now, here's where it's interesting in the top three in this division. You know, the Astros have pretty much been the team to beat for a long time, at least last year in this division. I'd probably say even going into the season before now. Um, it's the season before that, excuse me. And now at number two, you have the Mariners, who pretty much have held the second position down the entire season. But as you can see, they've, they've been slipping up. They've had a couple close series. Uh, they've lost a couple series as of late. Astros, too. Obviously, they've both gone four and six in the last 10. Now, look at the A's 64 and 46. Now, they're just five games back from um, the Astros. But if we're talking wild card, we're only one spot back from the Mariners from the second spot and three games behind the Yankees from the overall third spot now we're hot now we're winning games by comfortable leads to our last like i said our last game tonight was eight and three we went eight and three against the blue jays so we're looking pretty damn good it's gonna be crazy um but if the a's can keep keep hot and again they're one of those teams that'll that'll every now and again just go on those streaks i've seen it happen especially in the in when it's time for to close out a season. So I would say watch out for that. I'm, I, I don't want to bet on it, but I've seen it happen. And this is how it starts. They start getting hot near the end of July. Well, at least start getting consistent, have going on streaks, going on seven and three in their last 10. Like I keep saying the last 10, the last 10 games, look at that stat. The more you see seven and three, the more you see eight and two, the more the more you keep seeing that, the more games that team is winning. And, and it's going to show on their overall record. The A's have been hot as of late. They've been going seven and three 
or eight and two consistently. They're sitting at third in their division, and it, there's only potential to go up higher because they're they're on the upswing. Uh, so that that race is going to be interesting. That wild card race is going to be even more scary. So let's go right into the NL. Uh, we got the uh, the Phillies. They are they can, they are at uh, number one right now, forty nine and forty eight. They've gone five and five in their last ten. And um, this is this is this is important because this is also a close division. You got the Braves sitting there at fifty-seven and forty-seven. They've also gone five and five in their last ten, but then they're a half game back. You got Washington that's five games back, six and four in their last ten. Uh, in the last few games, they've been looking like a better team, but. It's it's hard to look at a team that's just one game above 500 and just say, mm, you have a chance." But again, they're on the ups the upswing a little bit. They've they've gone 6 and 4 in the last 10. And at 4 and 5, you can just eliminate them. We got the Marlins and the Mets down there, 46 and 63, 40 44 and 61 uh, respectively. So they're pretty much out of it. I wouldn't worry about those two guys. But the top 3, definitely I would um, because the interesting thing here is looking at the rest of the teams here in the rest of the divisions, at least in the AL, I'm sorry, in the NL, they would have the winner of this division is going to be pretty much in the playoffs in the loser. They don't get a wild card. I, I, I think these other teams here, if we're talking, I think the Brewers could get a wild card spot and then you got to worry about, you know, Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in the NL West. It's it's difficult. Um, in the AL, it's a little bit more cut and dry because I think the Yankees could pretty much sew up that first spot. It might be a little bit crazy though, with uh, uh, in terms of the A's and the Mariners. But in terms of the NL East, if anybody, I mean, the winner, the only one, I mean, the winner of that division is the only person that's pretty much going to the playoffs for them. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up these standings, and then we're also going to get into this. uh, We're going to talk about the Big 12 tonight for the college football preview. So y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're going to finish up these standings real quick. We're going to go through the NL Central, and sitting at the top is the uh, Chicago Cubs at 62-45. They've gone 5-5 five and, uh, five and five in their last 10. Then coming in is the Hot Brewers, I would say. Uh, they've coming in at 63-48. and 48. Of course, they're uh, at number two because, of course, they got more losses with 48. Uh, they're one game back, however, and then they're 7 and three in their last 10. Now we also at th- at third we have uh the Pirates at 56 and 53 and they're they've gone 6 and 4 in their last 10 and they're currently 7 games back. And now you got the Cards coming in at 53 uh 55 and 53, 7 uh, seven and a half games back and 5 and 5 in their uh, last 10. And then in fifth place of course we got the Cincinnati Reds 48 and 60. This um this division is a little it's gonna be difficult. Um in terms of finding the winner. I mean we already pretty I can already pretty much look at this now and say the loser pretty much the loser of this kind uh, loser of this division and the loser of the NL West are pretty much gonna get your playoff spots off top. I I, I just don't see mm, 
We'll see. I mean, maybe maybe the Braves do something, but I don't know about the Nats. I think the Nats are pretty much out of this race at 50, 54. I, I, I give a Pirates. Definitely the Pirates and the Cards are, you know, have have slight edges over them. You also have the Giants, actually the Rockies more so with a slight, uh, slight, you know, edge in that, in that, in that, at least in that wild card race. But let's, I don't know. At this at this point, you know, uh, the Cubs are going five and five. That's a little stable. That's a little plateaued for me. Seven and three at this time of the year. That's good to see. I can see I can see the Brewers winning more games than the Cubs. So I, I, I for the first time in eleven years, I'm gonna give the uh, the Brewers playoff spot. I say, I say to hell with it. I'm gonna roll with them either way. I think either they 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 take they take the first. Uh, I want to give them the NL Central. Uh, I think they stay hot. I think they stay hotter than the Cubs, in my opinion. I can give them to them either that way, or I can see them getting. Why not the first wild card spot if that's the case? So, um, I, I see the Brewers making it to the playoffs either way. So that would make the Cubs pretty much. I mean, they like I said, the loser of this of this of this uh, NL Central is probably going to get the second, the first or second player, uh, the first or second wild card. I would probably say the first. Uh, if we're just looking at records today, I would say uh, going on record to be the loser of the Central and the, the loser of the West would get your two playoff spots. That's what I'm going off of. Um, like I said, the Pirates might have a have a shot, but they've gone six and four in the last ten. They're already seven games back. Uh, they would have to just be a lot more consistent to even be in the realm. And I would say more so, even more so if they were, if they were to get back into the contention, it'd be more so for that second wild card spot again. Um, let's go to the NL West real quick. Uh, we have a, we have pretty much a tie and I'm going to, and it's a pretty much a tie. I'm going to call it a tie. Uh, it's, it's the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. Uh, they're both at 60, 60 and 49. Now the difference is in the last 10 games for these guys. Dodgers have gone five and five. The Diamondbacks have gone seven and three. Uh, of course, the Dodgers have added Manny Machado. So they have that factor, but I don't know. I don't know whether or not it puts them over the hump. Diamondbacks are are in the mix. They have pretty solid pitching, and they also have a great uh, – well, they have okay pitching, but their hitters are solid, so they're going to keep them in games. Of course, they've gone 7-3. A lot of that is is because they've been scoring points. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is a good hitter. It'll be interesting to see what they can do in October if they can make it. As of today, I like the Manny Machado pit, the pickup. I got to go as of as of right now. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. Uh, but uh, just to just to wrap just to wrap up the uh, the the rankings here the standings here at the number two spot I'm gonna go with the Rock uh, at the number two spot I'm not gonna go with the Rockies but the Rockies are here 58 and 49 6 and 4 in their last 10 they're technically just a game back so that makes it all the more interesting as well um, the Giants they're five games back 55 and 54 one game above 500 four and six in the last 10. I'm not too sure what that team wants to do. Um, if they get their act together, they're probably in line for the second wild card spot. But from here, I don't know. I could definitely see the Rockies 
being in that mix more so the Giants. And of course, we got the Padres. They would technically be technically be fifth place. Uh, but since I pretty much gave the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks first place because tie, they're at fourth with 42 and 68. They're done. I wouldn't worry about them. Uh, maybe a miracle happens. I don't know. But uh, the key, the key factors, the t- the key three here, I would say, is the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and Rockies. Um, again, I definitely want to go with the Dodgers. I I just like the Manny Machado pickup. But again, Dodgers do all this stuff and don't win in the playoffs. So, and they liable, uh, and there's they're liable to lose this division to the Diamondbacks regardless. So keep your eyes open. Don't be surprised if the Dodgers slip up, and. If the Diamondbacks do win, then that means pretty much the Rockies might be out. Because, again, I see the loser of the NL Central pretty much picking up that first wild card spot. So that will put the NL West loser here, depending on how, you know, if the the Dodgers can stay uh, relevant. They don't choke away too much. All right. <laughs> that's just, that's just how I feel. All right. So we're going to move on to the latter part of this show here, the last part today. And I told you we're going to get into this preview for this, uh, for this big 12. We're going to go through these major conferences. I told you what we was going to do. So let's get right into it. As far as the big 12 goes, they had a pretty decent season last year as a conference they had three teams in the top 25 including oklahoma uh they finished at number three uh tcu finished at number nine and oklahoma state they finished at number 14 uh, in terms of a of a overall standings uh it looked like this uh oklahoma finished 12 and 2 overall 8 and 1 in the conference tcu finished 11 and 3 72 in the conference oklahoma state uh finished 7 and 3 6 and 3 in the conference iowa state came in at number 4 8 and 5 overall 5 and 4 in the conference kansas state had a pretty decent season themselves also had 8 and uh, 8 and 5 5 and 4 in conference texas tech i talked about their coach a little bit before oh i'm sorry this is not texas tech here i'm sorry texas at number six seven and six five and four uh five and four in conference uh west virginia also uh at number seven came in with the same record seven and six five and four texas tech now i talked about their coach also a little bit earlier last uh, actually last week uh they finished six and seven like i like i talked about last week last week as well three and six in the conference then you also got baylor they finished one and eleven overall one and eight in the conference they're at number nine and uh in last place you got one and eleven kansas and zero and and they finished zero and nine in conference one eleven overall zero nine in conference play now if you look if you just heard that and you're going to you're saying to yourself oh this jamal this guy jamal is a knock he doesn't know what he's talking about he just said big 12 he only said 10, 10 teams look here there was conference realignment in about 2011, 20, um, yeah, about 20, 2011, maybe even 2010. Uh, what that meant was a lot of conferences either added, lost teams, teams moved to different conferences. Long story short, Big 12 got the short end of the, of the stick. Couple, they added a couple teams, uh, West Virginia, uh, yeah, West Virginia, uh, TCU, but they lost uh, Colorado 
and uh, so oh, and Nebraska. So they lost two teams. So and they added, like I said, West Virginia, which was I said they got the short. Like I said, they got the short end of the stick. So they got screwed, and they only got ten teams. But anyways, that's I digress. I had to give you some some history, so you don't call me retarded. So I called it the Big Twelve Conference, and it's only ten teams. So hey, just so y'all know, uh, ball season. Finished pretty good for them. They finished five and three, which is pretty solid because you're pretty much playing with uh, ranked teams and pretty much fair, fair competition, uh, decent competition throughout the different conferences. So it's a good gauge of talent for you and the other team, of course. Um, some of the, the more notable games that they played, uh, balls, the more notable wins or more notable games, period, uh, was TCU beating Stanford 39 to 37. Uh, Kansas State beat UCLA in a in an actual upset. I, I, called, I thought it was an upset myself. Uh, Kansas State won 35 to 14, but uh, their more notable loss of that of that ball season, last year's ball season was Georgia uh, beating Oklahoma 54 to 48 in the Sugar Bowl. It was a close game, and uh, Georgia got it done. Um, sure, it might sting Oklahoma, but you know you win some, you lose some, and you got to recruit and you got to come back for the next year. They should be solid, in my opinion, though. But we'll get to that in just a minute. In terms of recruiting, though, they have three teams that rank in the top 25 nationwide. Uh, we're talking Texas at number three, Oklahoma at number nine, and TCU at number 25. Now, for Texas, they've drafted – well, I'm sorry, they didn't draft, excuse me. But they were able to get a, a – total of 27 commitments they they got two five-star recruits which are pretty much you know the best best caliber recruits in the nation they are two five uh, star recruits uh, uh one by the name of uh caden stearns a safety out of sabolo texas he's the number one safety in the nation and the number uh, number 19 commit uh, number 19 prospect uh, head, uh, number one, night, uh, number nineteen in the nation. Pros, uh, not, sorry, number nineteen period in the nation, prospect overall in the nation. So that's pretty solid. You also got they also got uh, B J Foster, safety from Angleton, Texas, number three safety overall. Now also you got seventeen four star recruits, uh, including Keontae Ingram. Running back from Carthage, Texas, excuse me, number six rated running back. Uh, you also got, at least amongst four-star recruits, you also got Brendan the Eagles, number 10 receiver out of Houston, Texas. Uh, as far as Oklahoma goes, they got one uh, five-star recruit. Uh, it was the number four ta- uh, number four tackle in the nation, Bray Walker. Uh, okay, from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. There you go. You also they also got 13 four-star recruits, including another tackle, uh, the number 15 tackle in the nation. Uh, sorry, Daryl Simpson from Justin Justin Texas. Uh, they also got Tremonda Moore, uh, the number one offensive tackle uh, amongst four-star recruits, and the number one in his state of Kansas. He was uh, he's from Independence, Kansas. Kansas. So they're they're definitely boosting up that O line. 
which is a good thing to see. You definitely want to see that. Uh, and then you also got Michael Thompson, uh, defensive tackle, the number four defensive tackle in the nation. Like I said, amongst four-star recruits. Uh, he's from St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, you also got TCU here. Uh, TCU had uh, a number of four-star recruits. I believe it was four, actually one five-star. Actually, yeah, uh, they had two four-star recruits here. Uh, Anthony McKinney, offensive tackle, uh, the number 13th overall offensive tackle. It's from Council Bluffs, Iowa. They also got another quarterback, uh, the number three quarterback in uh, the nation, and also the number one prospect coming out of Louisiana. He's from Bolshear, Louisiana. Then they also got 18 recruits, uh, three-star recruits, including Esteban Avila, uh, offense, offensive guard from Grand Prairie, Texas. They also got Ben Wilson from uh, Summer, Washington. Uh, so he's a and he's a inside linebacker. What I took away from um, the recruiting here was – Texas did a tremendous job in their home state. Like they took they took the cake. Like I think over fifty percent of that list of their recruiting list that I went through was from people from Texas. So they know how to dominate in their home state and they know how to definitely come back. Whoever's there, they got a good recruiting system. They got charisma. I don't know what it is about Texas. They definitely recruit their hometown. They all oh, they put on for their people. Cal needs to take notice. Cal needs to take notice. Texas killing their home state. Killing their home state. Um also, Oklahoma, they made a significant effort to beef up their O-line, which is good. Uh, I also, because re- I reported a couple weeks ago when I went over the top 10 overall for college football, I said one of the issues that uh, Oklahoma was going to have was going to be the development of their quarterback. He had an iffy spring game. So keeping them protected, keeping them, you know, comforted behind a solid O-line, especially behind some tackles. And just being able to be balanced, especially if they're if, even if they're run blocking tight ends, keeping the offense balanced, being able to run the ball, that would help keep the pressure off Kyle Murray as well. So, um, and also, TCU, despite being a smaller school, not as big as Texas, it also it also did very very well in Texas in terms of recruiting. So, um, and also they they also got another, uh, like I said, they also got a recruit from Washington. So they're their uh influence is reaching far as well. And that's what happens to the non you know, non the non Texas schools, non USC, big time Ohio State schools. What they do is they might do pretty good in their state. They might get a lot of three they like they might get a lot more three star recruits from Texas than the Longhorns or somebody like that. Um but they're also spread out and get different athletes from different states as well that's that's another good thing about being a smaller school uh oregon does that as well they've made a killing about get killing off that uh they've been able to get a lot of four-star recruits three-star recruits from california from texas to come all the way to eugene to play football and that you know and that helps the team get better uh tc will definitely be in the mix texas will definitely be in the mix if not this season the very next season because of their recruiting class we'll get into that uh, we got a few key games to go over here. 
the first one, UCLA, Oklahoma, I kind of highlighted that uh, when I talked about the Pac-12. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be September the eighth. This is gonna be a good shot to see if UCLA can possibly uh, find themselves in a playoff mix. They will still have to go to the Pac-12 uh, gauntlet. Oklahoma, this is pretty much their playoff. It, if they lose this, they're not in the playoff. They're not, yeah, with you know, and because they have a couple upset potential games on their 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 uh, horizon anyways in this season. So it will be hard for me to justify, you know, them getting there. I mean, if they finished with one loss and that's their loss still, um, somebody from the Big Ten or SEC, they're going to find some type of reason to knock them off for this loss. Uh, another big game will be USC and Texas. This is going to be September the 15th. This is a big game because Texas – Looks like it might be turning the corner. Like I said, has one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Uh, they got their second year, almost third year coach, I believe, coming back. I, you know, in USC, they can go places. They're definitely uh, a team that's on the radar for the top four, one of the playoff spots. So this is probably a game that either one, if either one of them won, will probably almost give them immediate consideration for a playoff spot going into the beginning uh, parts of the year. And another one you're going to have is TCU, Ohio State. I'm going to put Ohio State on upset alert. Uh, TCU is a very good team, a team that you don't want to catch on a, on a, on a, on a bad day. Uh, Ohio State, ah, I'm not amazed. I'm not amazed for, for, for uh, as much as I like Urban Meyer, that quarterback battle. We're going to see. We're going to see. I like, I'm, this is upset alert. And, uh, this is a big game, especially for Ohio State, because this is another chance for them to be seen on a national stage. And this is a pretty much a playoff play in game. So they got to win this one. They, they, Ohio State would have to win this one, but this is definitely upset alert for them. TCU might just might just pull that one off. Key conference games. Uh we got uh TCU versus Texas. This is gonna be uh the twenty second of uh, September. This is gonna be important because again, Texas is looking like it, it wants to turn the corner. TCU is looking like it wants to take that step to be a top contender within the conference and maybe within the national stage. Look for that to be fireworks. Look for that to be fireworks. And the winner of that game definitely gives T- uh, Oklahoma probably the most nightmares and the most preparing to do. Uh, you also got Oklahoma versus uh, versus Texas. Uh, this is going to be the 6th of October. This is the Red River rivalry. This is the annual game. Again, I'm going to speak to Texas praises. If this is not the year, then they're going to be hot pretty soon. That recruiting class is no joke. They're not playing. They're already recruiting well for next year. Do not sleep on Longhorns. I'm going to repeat. This is an upset alert game from Oklahoma. I'm not too sure where they're at mentally. And finally, I got Oklahoma versus TC. This is going to be, I believe, the 22nd of October. Again, Oklahoma upset alert. I... I'm going to be I'm going to I'm I'm still going to go out on a limb and ha- and and give them the favorite. But those are two upset games and they got to come ready to play. If Kyle Murray is not mature enough, they're not going to they're going to they're going to lose those two games. They they're liable to have two losses and not have a playoff spot. Um with that being said though, I I have them being the favorite. I like the coaching staff. I like Lincoln Riley. 
I think the running game is probably the best in the conference. Um, like I said, they definitely got some protection in terms of O-line help. So I'm going to go out on a limb. They have a manageable schedule. Uh, they're going to play UCLA. I think they're favored to win that game. If they can get past UCLA, they might be able to luck up and, and run the table. Again, Texas isn't fully turned the table, turned the corner yet, and TCU isn't exactly a contender yet. Again, these are upset. They're upset alert games, but they're not necessarily games that they they're going to come into uh, coming to coming to the game uh, underdog too. Uh, as far as a dark horse though, TCU TCU is definitely a dark horse. Uh, definitely solid defense, underrated defense, underrated amongst in, in a lot of different areas, even offensively. Look for them. Like I said, they have a they have a they have two upset alert games. As far as they're concerned, one against Ohio State, one against Oklahoma. Look for them to pull something off. They'll definitely have the, I would say, the second best record in the conference. And uh, as a sleeper, don't sleep on the Longhorns. Don't sleep on Texas. They have an upset uh, alert game, too. I'm going to put USC on notice. Look out. I said it. I want to say it first. They... um, you know, it takes time to build up, uh, to, to rebuild squads, uh, college squads, and, and recruit and all that. But I think Texas is 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 turning, is close to turning that corner. Um, they might be able to get one of these games. They might be able to knock off TCU this year. They might not be able to knock off Oklahoma. But that game is definitely going to be competitive. And again, if Kyler Murray is is shows any signs of maturity this year, these other teams will eat him alive. At least Texas and TCU will, and possibly UCLA. So you got to keep an eye out for Texas. Texas could definitely is is definitely going to beat the the softer teams in the schedule. Again, they have a they have a manageable schedule. So outside of USC, so look for them to challenge. I definitely say look for them to challenge. The only one loss I could definitely say that they could get would be the UC USC. So definitely looking looking like a solid conference. The B twelve is looking like a very solid conference next year. Uh, if anybody does represent them in terms of the top. Uh, Final Four uh, for playoff seeding. It's probably more than likely going to be Oklahoma. They had that big marquee game against UCLA. That's probably more than likely going to be. They're gonna, definitely going to be the favorite, and more than likely they're going to win that game. And they can pretty much run the table if that does happen. So look for them to probably represent. But uh, TCU and Texas definitely going to be ranked teams as well. Look out for them, and maybe even K State as well. We're we're not even. I haven't even really thought about them just yet. Uh, Iowa State and uh, uh, K-State had pretty decent conference records, so don't sleep on those guys either. All right, y'all, we're gonna, this is a wrap for tonight. We're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have the world on the street. And in terms of a college football preview, uh, we're probably going to – yeah, we're going to go over the Sun Belt Conference and the conference, I'm going to go over Conference USA, two smaller conferences. We're going to knock those out. And we're also going to start the AFC, uh, we're going to start the NFL uh, previews as well. Uh, we'll start with the NFC West uh, tomorrow. We'll go through a quick, like I said, preview for them. For them, it's, for the NFL, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, more so, uh, we're, well, not so much different. We're gonna go over the overall record, where they finished, where each team finished in terms of standings, and also what they did in the playoffs, and also in terms of off-season additions and so on and so forth. So we'll get to that tomorrow. Like I said, we're gonna start with the NFC West. 
Um, and we're also going to do the Conference USA and the Sunbelt Conference for college football tomorrow as well. Um, yeah, oh, and one story that I did want to talk about tomorrow. Uh, you know what? We'll get to it when we get there. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good night. I'm going I'm to sip on some of the double IPA and smoke this dro. I earned it. Y'all have a good night. Peace out.